How's everyone doing? Good? I loved worshiping with you guys. We had a little, a little dance party up here at the front of the... I haven't danced like that in a while. I, was, I felt like 12 years old again. Well, my heart felt like 12 years old again. My body was like... <gasps> we, we started that... We sing a song, and, and I'd start jumping right there. And then by the chorus, I was like, okay, I have to stop. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, I need to time this better. Like, I need to, that's the buildup, and then I need to be jumping on the chorus. <laughs> and then they're just like, you inhabit. And I'm like, oh, you inhabit the praises. So I need a little bit more cardio in my life, and the Holy Spirit bore witness to that. But we had so much fun dancing up here. That was just such freedom in the house this morning. We had communion, we had prophecy, we had baptism. Guys, that's kind of like we had church. That's amazing, right? No, I, anyway, I was just so blessed. I was looking around and people were just enjoying the presence of God. So thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And we just ask, let's just pray as we open the word. Lord, we just ask that you would that you would give to us what you gave to your servants in Luke 24 on that road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. God, that you would take of what is yours and open the scriptures to us and cause our hearts to, to burn within us. Lord, we ask you for tender hearts this morning. We ask you for receptive hearts this morning. It takes you to prepare our hearts to receive your word. So, Lord, we just say prepare our hearts to receive the word of the Lord, to receive instruction and counsel from your spirit. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Well, I like to give the backstory of how the Lord leads me into what he has me to share on Sunday mornings. And, uh, and, I, and I do that because I want you to know this isn't like a, we don't plan out our messages six months in advance. And some churches do that and the Lord blesses that. But the Lord has particularly called us to, to draw near to him week to week and to ask, Lord, what are you saying over this house? And I'll just tell you, it's much, it, it's much easier as a preacher just to take the scriptures that have been touching your own heart and, and jump into those and deliver those. But it's a, it's a different thing when you say, Lord, what, what are you saying in this season and at this time for this people? And so that's the posture that, that we take as a teaching team. And so Mike asked me to preach this week, and, and so I just began to wait. Monday I began to wait. I didn't, I didn't feel anything, didn't have any traction. Tuesday, I was waiting on the Lord in prayer and in worship, and the Lord was touching my heart with many things, but I, I didn't feel, oh no, that's for our body, okay, that's for our congregation. Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, and by this time, I'm going, hey God, why don't, let's, come on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I was, I was just like, okay, I, I don't feel any particular leading, but I know you're going to speak, and I know you're going to to reveal what you have for us. And then Wednesday night, I was putting together our set list and, and Lindy had texted me a song that she felt like was for our congregation probably like a week and a half, two weeks ago. And she felt the song Refiner for our congregation. It talks about being refined by the fire, fire of God, being baptized by his fire, being set apart and consecrated for his glory. And so I put that on the set list on Wednesday and... We went into that, and then we just never left it. And we just kept singing about the fire of God and climbing back on the altar and burn me beautiful and burn me holy and burn me lovely and burn me righteous and, and take all that is yours. I am your offering. I want to be set ablaze. I am your temple. I want that fire that consumed the altar and filled the temple with glory in Second Chronicles 7. I want to be that and we were just kind of singing into it and then and then I heard the Lord say this phrase 
I'm looking for the people of a burning heart. I was just singing to the Lord. In the back of my mind, I just heard this phrase. I am looking for a people of a burning heart. And I had remembered about the last time Mike asked me to preach, I was, I was meditating on the fire of God. I was meditating on Jesus as the all-consuming fire. And I was praying, I wonder if I should share just about Jesus being the all-consuming fire, and we go into that. And I didn't that time when I preached, but, but it came up again. And then Dan got up here, and Mike got up here, and, and it just like confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. So, so I went to our teaching team on Thursday, and I was like, guys, I, I normally don't preach on something like this, but I feel like the Lord is highlighting the fire of God, is highlighting the baptism of spirit, with fire, I feel like I need to preach on that. And so I submitted it to them, and they, they said, I, I think this is good. And so all that to say, when God asks us to do something, he's the one who empowers it, and he's the one who speaks to how and what we say. Amen? And we don't, we don't presume to know the mind of the Lord. We wait on the mind of the Lord. We wait on the leading of the Spirit. And so I feel, I feel like the Lord has, has led me to preach on this. Now that doesn't mean that it's going to be amazing and anointed and just like the best message of your life, you know. I used to think that. I used to, oh God, you said it. And then, you know, never mind, we're not going to get into it. So, all that to say is there's no pressure on the room. I just feel like that this is, this is something that God has for us. So, who has their Bibles this morning? Raise them high. Amen. Good. I just encourage everyone to, to bring a Bible. Who, who has their Bible on their phone this morning? You know what I'm going to say. Oh, those phony Christians. I tell you what. I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. Oh, it's so bad, but it's so good. We just need it once a year. And then, and then we got to put that one away for a little bit. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. I love the Bible going up on the screens, but what I love more is you finding in your own Bible where Matthew chapter 3 is. I have made it a commitment on whatever meeting I'm in, I, I want to know the Word of God. I want to play this as well as I can play my instrument. And what do you need when you're playing your instrument? You need scales. You need the, the over and over again, the repetition, the, the, the exercise. And so that's why I turn every time when a scripture gets said, I find it in my own Bible and I find it again for where it's at. And it's like I'm putting bullets in my gun for when the Holy Spirit wants to use that ammo in my life. Amen. So, just an encouragement to get a Bible that you love and turn to the passage and read it for yourself. It says this of John the Baptist. Let's just start in verse 1. Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And this is what he said. Repent for the kingdom of of heaven is at hand. Now, I think it's just interesting the progression of the story of the ministry of Jesus and the foundation of coming to the Lord, the foundation of Jesus' ministry is repentance. That's the first thing we have to do. We have to repent. We have to turn from our ways, from our sin, and turn to God with the revelation that the kingdom of heaven is drawing near. Amen? This was John's message, and this is what Jesus takes up when he begins his public ministry. He says the same phrase, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 3, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. 
Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Let's go to verse 7. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now this is why he called them a brood of vipers, okay? He said, verse 8, the idea is you need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So if you're saying, I'm living a life that's turning from sin, that's turning from evil, I'm living a life that's turning from my own desires, and I'm, and I'm turning to Jesus, and I'm giving all to Jesus, John is saying, or I'm giving all to God at this time. They weren't giving it to Jesus. They were giving their all to God. John is saying, your life needs to bear fruit concerning that testimony. And he's telling the Pharisees, your life isn't bearing fruit concerning that testimony that you are all in with God. Now, that's a strong message, right? But that was one of the main messages of John the Baptist. Turn to God, repent, and then bear fruit in your life worthy of Him. Goes on. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit, there's that fruit word again, the fruit of repentance, bearing good fruit, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. Now, we would all agree that sounds like a very negative fire, right? <laughs> you can say, yes, Marcus, that's not a good fire. We don't want any part of that fire, right? We want to be the good trees that bear good fruit. But I think it's amazing that John isn't coming with a message of, of, this is not an easy message. This is a message that was very divisive in his day. In his day, people who wanted to become Jews and, and, and enter into the promises of God, they began this system that they would baptize them. And so if a Gentile came in and said, I've seen the glory of Yahweh, I've seen it, in, in the Torah, I've, I've heard of who he is, and I want to become his people. They could become his people, and they would be baptized into being the people of God. Now, what's crazy is John is looking at the people of God and saying, you need to be converted to the people of God. And it was, it's, that's very divisive, okay? But he goes on, and he says, I baptize you this is verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now that sounds like a good fire, right? That's the fire we pray for. There's a fire of judgment to those who don't bear good fruit with their life, but there's a fire of cleansing, there's a fire of empowering, there's a fire of zeal, there's a fire of, of boldness for the Lord and the work of the ministry, whatever that is for you, that's the fire that Jesus came to baptize us with, amen? Fueled, empowered, inflamed by the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love it. Say, praise God he came to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. <laughs> that was a long phrase to say. But go ahead and finish it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so there's a negative fire. There's a positive fire. Let's keep going. Verse 12. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. Those are the faithful, those are the righteous, those are those who turn to Jesus, those are those who bear good fruit with their lives, the wheat into his barn, into eternity, into the new Jerusalem, into the house of God. But the chaff, those who don't produce that fruit, 
Those who are unfruitful, he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now that's a bad fire, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this to make a point later. I always used to think that this fire was two different fires, that there was like a, there was like a, a judgment fire and a blessing fire, and it was two different things given to two different groups of people. But lately, I've come to see it as one fire. There is one fire, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> He's the burning one. He's the all-consuming fire. And the way we respond to him positions us to either receive that fire for empowerment, for blessing, for breakthrough, for freedom, or if we position ourselves against Jesus, he's still an all-consuming fire, and he's going to be exactly who he is no matter what we want him to be. And he is going to judge the wicked, judge the arrogant, judge the prideful by the, by the fire that he is because he cannot dwell with sin. He cannot dwell with disobedience. And so I think it's one fire and it's up to us to position ourselves in repentance to receive that fire of the Holy Spirit and it's a blessing to our lives. Amen? So let's look at a few passages that, that go into that. Let's look at, uh, well, first, let's just look at Acts 2. There's an argument in the body of Christ that, that when John said that, that he was saying that the, the Lord will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, those are those who repent, and then he'll baptize the wicked with fire, and those are the unrepentant. And I, would, I, I could see that if we did not have Acts 2. <laughs> I would probably agree with him, but I think that there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire that is for his church, and then there's a judgment of fire for the wicked because it's who God is. Because that's what we see in Acts 2. The church literally was set on fire by the fire of God. Let's look at this. We've all, this is a very familiar passage, Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now what's amazing is they were all together in one place is because they were obeying Jesus. They were walking in a spirit of obedience. And in that spirit of obedience, they were obeying the command that it says in Luke 24, to wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high, and then you will be my witnesses from Judea, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. So this is important. If we are going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit in fire, we have to be walking in obedience. We have to be doing exactly what Jesus has commanded us to do. Say amen. So they're walking in obedience, but in that obedience, what were they doing? We all know they were they were praying. That was weak. Let's try that again. I gave you the answer. We all know they were praying. Good job. That's awesome. That's, like, that's how the Holy Spirit, like if you miss the answer on the test, he actually gives you the answer if you repent, and then you get to take the test again. I've done this a bunch of times in my life. So they were praying. They were walking in obedience, and they were asking God to do what he said he would do. That, guys, walking in obedience and asking God, having revelation in the word of what God wants to do and asking him to do it is crucial. It's how the early church was birthed. Obedience, asking him to do what he said he would do, and he pours out his Holy Spirit on his people and with a manifestation of fire. So let's look at that. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 
and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. This is the fulfillment of what John said Jesus would do. He would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Guys, the the church was birthed out of obedience and prayer with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and a manifestation of the fire of God. And the church needs to be sustained in obedience and in prayer with outpourings of the Holy Spirit and manifestations of the fire of God. This is our litmus test. This is what we hold our life up to and say, is this happening? And if it's not, we say, Lord, would you please? And then he convicts us of sin and we repent and we walk in greater obedience and we say, Lord, would you please? And he begins to increase his spirit in your life and he begins to increase that burning flame of love, that burning flame of empowerment, that burning flame of boldness. And we enter into this pattern, so to speak, though it's not always happening the same way, over and over and over again. And this is salvation. This is what God has purchased for us. And what was the manifestation of of this Holy Spirit and fire? It was bold, prophetic proclamation by Peter. And you know that those 120, though Peter shared that message, when those 3,000 came in, you know those 120 were just let loose on 3,000. You know, they had about they had about nine to ten people each, and they were preaching the glory of Jesus, and they were discipling, and they were telling of who he is. The fire of God releases bold, prophetic proclamation. I just, I, I just looked at these words in Acts 2. Acts 2, 14, it said, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Acts 2, 29. Acts 2, 29. Brothers, I say to you with all confidence. And then they repent. Acts uh, 2, 37. And they heard these words and they were cut to the heart. And they said, what shall we do? And then Peter says it again. He says, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Sounds like a lot very similar to what went on this morning, right? Repent, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. I just, again, praise God for the baptisms this morning. Praise God. I just love it that they baptized, they repent, they get baptized, and then they come out of the water, and our precious body is just praying and prophesying and asking God to fill them with the Spirit of God. Amen? I was just, I was in love with everyone down here. Not that I didn't love anyone that wasn't down here, but I was just like, God, thank you for this. But Peter rose up and he said words that were empowered by the fire of God. Amen? Let's go to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So if you can find Matthew, you can just go one book left and you find Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Now, the reason I'm I'm returning to Malachi is because I want you to see that Jesus is the one on fire, and it's how we respond to him as to how we're going to experience his fire, okay? Malachi chapter 3. It says, verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Now, let me stop right there. That was spoken of of John the Baptist. When we, were, when we were reading in Matthew, we were given Isaiah 40, verse 3. But in Mark and in Luke, it uses this passage, I will send my messenger 
and he will prepare the way before me. So John the Baptist fulfilled this, but the rest of this passage talks about Jesus' second coming, okay? The rest of this passage has not been fulfilled yet in a literal way. And people try to spiritualize this, that this was fulfilled in Jesus' first coming. It wasn't. So, I believe that John partially fulfilled this, but guys, I believe before the second coming of our Lord, this is the spirit that we're going to walk in. We're going to have clarity, we're going to have revelation, and we will take up the assignment to prepare the way of the second coming of Jesus. And I think when we take that seriously now, I think that calling transforms our life. I mean, if you just, just spend some time with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, if you're coming, how am I preparing people to receive you when you return? That evaluation of our life just prunes and cuts things off that shouldn't be in our life, right? If that's the vision, if we're looking to him, if we've seen him, and then we find ourselves going, Lord, what should we, I, I've seen you as the glory of who's to come. I've seen you as the worthy lamb who's going to rule the nations for a thousand years. I've, I've seen you as this. Lord, what's my assignment? And he says, prepare people to receive me. Man, just take that to your calendar and let it like move some things around, okay? It says this. So I believe we're going to, uh, just, just one thing on that. Let's go to John chapter three, just real quick. John chapter 3. Because this is the spirit that was operating in John the Baptist. It says in verse 28, you yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. So right here, the bridegroom is Jesus. And he's the one who has the bride. And John has been sent before the bridegroom. And here's how John describes his ministry. The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase and I must decrease. But let's go back to that verse 29. The, fr- the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. Here's our ministry. The friend of the bridegroom. You are all friends of Jesus. You are friends of the bridegroom. Here's your assignment. You stand before him. That represents prayer, attentiveness. When you wait on someone, you stand before them and you're like, what's your will? What can I do for you? What do you need? What do you want prayerful attentiveness that is fueled by the word of God. That's the standing. And then we hear him. He speaks to us. Guys, God speaks to us. Amen? And I know every one of you in this room have heard the voice of the Lord. Maybe some of you haven't, and it's not regular in your life. I just want to encourage you. God speaks to his people. He makes known his will through the word, through dreams, through prophetic vision, through a spirit of discernment, God speaks. And our ministry is to listen to him. Our ministry is to prepare the bride and to respond to the bridegroom when the bridegroom speaks. And this is how John describes his ministry. He goes, and I rejoice greatly at the bridegroom's voice. How many of you treasure Jesus' voice in your life? How many of you had seasons of not guarding that voice and it became dull and it just made you sick? Not maybe made you physically sick, but it was just like, this is not right. I need to be walking in step with the Lord, hearing his voice. If that's you this morning, I I just invite you to repent and I invite you to say, Lord, turn up the volume of your voice in my life and that volume is going to be turned up as you are prayerfully attentive to Jesus. Amen? So Malachi chapter 3, let's go back there. 
It says this. Let's go back to verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger, now this messenger is Jesus, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 2. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? Because he is like a refiner's fire, and he is like a fuller's or a laundrier's soap. Now, this is a great question to ask. Who can endure the day of Jesus' coming? Who can stand before him when he appears? The five wise virgins in Luke 25, they asked this question and they start, started to prepare for the day when the bridegroom was going to take the bride. They prepared their lamps. They prepared their oil. They prepared to be on fire for that day. Amen? And the five foolish, they answered this question wrongly. They said, ah, who can endure? Ah, we can probably make it, but we don't have to do it his way. Who can stand before him when he appears? Well, he's... There's going to be mercy for that day. It's okay. I can continue to live the way I want to live. It's not good. Why? Because he's coming and he's a refiner's fire. He is holy. He is not like us. He sits on a throne with flames of fire, with seraphim burning, singing of his majesty, and his worth. He has a son who is king of kings and lord of lords with a sword that comes from his mouth with a head that shines as the sun in the fullness of the sun's strength. Even brighter than that, it says. He's not like us, guys. He's powerful. He made us. And he's coming to remake the earth. Who do you know that can come and say, you know what, this fell apart. I'm going to make a new heavens and a new earth. That's Jesus. And he's a refiner's fire, and he's a fuller soap. But here's the good thing. If you position yourself in repentance before this refiner's fire, then he will make you clean. He will take away sin. I love that Jesus is my refiner's fire because he purifies me. That that. Where I have filthy garments, he is a fuller soap to give me those robes of righteousness. Say amen. It's our glory that he is a refiner's fire. It's our glory that he is a launderer's soap. Let's go on. It says, and he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And here's what he does. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring... Righteous offerings to the Lord. Offerings of righteousness. Now this is what he does when people fear him. He takes real people. He's going to take, when he returns, the real sons of Levi, the real Jewish people, and he's going to refine them, and he's going to place them before him for a thousand years, and they're going to minister to him in righteousness. And this is what he does for us now. When we fear him, He refines us so that our sacrifices of praise, our sacrifices of worship, our our giving, our our fasting, our our ministry of evangelism, they're offerings of righteousness to him. And he's going to reward us for those offerings of righteousness forever. But there's another group. Let's go to verse 5. There's another group that he's going to deal with. It says, now this is the same refiner's fire. This is the same fuller soap. But these are guys who do not walk in the fear of the Lord. It says this, but then I will draw near to you for judgment and I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against those who swear falsely, I will be a swift witness against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages. The widow, they oppress the widow, they oppress the fatherless. 
They, they thrust aside the sojourner. And here's why they do all that. And they do not fear me. So those who don't fear the Lord, they experience a different side of this refiner fire, a different side of this launderer's soap. Let's just keep going. It says the same thing in Malachi chapter 4. Malachi 4.1. For behold, the day is coming, and this day is burning like an oven. Again, Malachi is not letting up on this language of fire. The day is burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze. And I would say the day that is coming is going to set them ablaze because the person that is coming is going to set them ablaze. Says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Remember what John the Baptist said? The axe is at the root of the tree. And him who does not bear good fruit, he will be removed and thrown into the fire. Same idea, same language here. Oh, but the glorious verse 2. This is one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. Verse 2 says this. But you who fear my name, so now there's those who are walking in the fear of the Lord again. The sun, that burning ball of righteousness that is Jesus, the sun of righteousness shall rise and those who fear the Lord will experience healing in his wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. So they experience healing, and they also experience incredible freedom. They go out like calves leaping that are let free from the stall. It says this, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your, of your feet, on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. So three things here. To those who fear his name, the fire of God heals them. The fire of God sets them free from captivity. And the fire of God gives them incredible authority to tread down wickedness. Again, in both of these passages, God is just being who he is. And John came as one to prepare a people. The son of righteousness is coming. And you need to repent now and be ready to receive him. And I'll just start to bring this to a close. I feel like the Lord wanted to highlight this this morning. Actually, I'm going to share one more scripture. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. It's a scripture that I described, but we never got to. And we're going to close with this. I feel like why the Lord wanted to share this this morning is twofold. I feel like there is a move of the Spirit coming. There is a move of God coming. There is a corporate outpouring of His Holy Spirit and fire that is coming. We've been talking about it as waters are rising. We've been talking about it as, as water language, which, which the Word of God does very clearly. But the also, also, the Word of God talks about the outpouring of the Spirit with the language of fire. And I feel like the Lord is preparing us for this outpouring of both water and fire. And I feel like He's stirring our hunger to contend for it. He's stirring our hunger to believe again for it. To shed unbelief for a move of the Spirit. So I feel like there's a corporate dimension coming of the Holy Spirit and fire to the church of the front range. I feel like apathy will stop you from moving into it. I feel like complacency will stop us from moving into it. Those are the two things we have to war against when we hear there's a move of God coming. We cannot take up that mocking spirit that says, oh, people have been saying that for 50 years now and a move of God hasn't come. We cannot take up that spirit, guys. That's the same spirit that will cause you to mock the return of the Lord, the actual physical return of the Lord, and say, oh, the church has been saying that for 2,000 years. Is he really coming back? We cannot have that mocking spirit. And I have to root that out in my life. I have to say, no, 
If God is the God of Acts chapter 2 and his return is nearer than it has ever been before, then he's going to do something even greater. I really believe that, guys. That the book of Acts 2.0 is coming to prepare the way for Jesus. So that's the corporate. God wants to prepare us for a move of his spirit. But the way he will prepare us for the corporate move is by stewarding the individual fire in our life. God wants you to fan into flame the ember of the fire of the Holy Spirit. He actually wants your participation to fan into flame that ember of fire and for you to be red hot before his throne. The reason God rebukes the church of Laodicea is because he's an all-consuming fire. And he goes, guys, I can't stand lukewarmness. I can't stand half in, half out. I am an all-consuming fire, and my people should be consumed by my fire in every area of their life. It's amazing that he tells that church to, I counsel you to buy gold refined in the fire to get garments, to put them on, that he's knocking at the door and he's saying, let me in. I want to dine with you and I want you to dine with me. I want communion. I want abiding. I want the tending of the heart. So that's why I wanted us to end with Luke 24. There's a corporate move of God coming, but there is an invitation for our hearts to burn before Jesus like never before. This burning comes from hearing his voice, being in the word of God, both the logos and the rhema that comes from the word, and burning before him when we hear his word. Let's let's look at what the disciples, what these two disciples said on the road to Emmaus. Verse 28. Luke 24, 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And Jesus acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. Now, the reason they were urging him strongly is because for about three or four hours, he had started with Moses, and then he went to the Psalms, and he went to the prophets, and he unfolded the word of God concerning himself to these two disciples. When you get Jesus moving on your heart by his spirit with the spirit of revelation, you go, would you stay with me a little longer? Would you, I don't want you to leave, and I don't want to leave your presence. This is too good. Let's keep doing this. Now, that's the invitation to all of us because the Son of God's on his throne, but he has given us his spirit to fuel that type of longing. And this is what happens They urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. But here's what they say. Did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road while he opened the scriptures to us. That's the phrase that the Lord spoke to me on Wednesday. I am looking for a people of a burning heart. I am looking for a people who will spend that three, four hours with me. I am looking for a people who will allow me by my spirit to open the word of God to them. I am looking for a people that experience my word and their hearts come alive that experience Jesus and their hearts are burning. I think this was a statement of recognition. I think these disciples had experienced this before in the teachings of Jesus. That's why when he opens, they're they're like questioned, they're like, what's going on? And the Lord gives like three or four hours where their hearts are just burning. And they're like, I bet they were thinking, this feels like Jesus. And then their eyes are open and it was him. And they go, 
Didn't our hearts burn within us? We recognized that burning. I feel like it was, the, it was a prophetic statement of, church, you're not going to see me anymore, but you can experience the burning heart of revelation when you allow me to speak and you hear my voice and you posture yourself in obedience. Let's stand. Mike, why don't you just come up and grab a mic. And we won't go too long with this, but we'll just spend a few moments in prayer. I'll pray and then you just share whatever you want to share. Let's just hold out our hands like, like this again. <laughs> Lord, we, we do not despise the words of prophecy that have kept coming forth declaring that a move of the Spirit is coming. And Lord, if there is any part of us that has despised those words of prophecy, we just say, would you forgive us? Lord, we want to be a people who are quick of heart to believe. The Lord rebuked these disciples. We didn't get into it, but the first thing he says is, you were slow of heart to believe. And he rebukes them for it. God, we just say, would you remove slowness of heart to believe from our hearts? Would you not let us be those skeptical Christians that, that, that don't walk with a spirit of faith? God, we want to walk with a spirit of faith for the coming outpouring of your spirit before you return. We repent, God. If there are any, I repent, Lord. I've despised this in my heart at times. I've, I've gone, oh, really? Lord, I repent for that, oh, really? You're the God of Genesis 1. You're the God of Revelation 21 and 22. With you, nothing is impossible. So we ask you, God, for the move of your spirit that you have for our region. We ask that you would pour out the Holy Spirit and fire like never before. And God, we posture ourselves for that move by committing to you personally. We will fan the flame of love inside of our hearts for you. In Song of Solomon 8, it describes this love as a jealous love. And it says, this love that Jesus has for us and that we can have for him. It's like the flashes of fire. And then it says, it's as if it's the very fire of Yahweh. Just tell him, say, Lord, I want to burn with your fire. Lord, your, say, your fire is precious to me. I heard the Lord say this as we were preparing. A tender heart is a burning heart. A burning heart is a tender heart. Lord, we just commit today, when we hear your voice, we will not respond in unbelief. And we will cultivate a tender heart before you. We will pull the weeds that choke that seed, that choke that fruitfulness, the deceitfulness of riches, the pride that comes in, the busyness of life. Lord, we say we will do the work of, of having a tender heart before you, remaining tender before you. I just want to invite anyone up. I just want to open up the altar right now. If there's anyone who just, this isn't like, I'm repenting for being a terrible person. This is a moment of just, I'm just repenting for, there might be some ways I've been despising the spirit of prophecy or I've been neglecting the voice of the Lord and that burning heart in my life. I just feel like this is a moment of, of repentance. This is a moment of drawing near to the Lord. So at any point, I just want to invite you up if you just want to take this altar and begin to cry out to the Lord. Mike, why don't you share anything?
want to confirm. I just feel this, the the importance of what's being spoken today is to prepare us for what's to come. And so that our heart would just be so tender towards the Lord in this. He is an all-consuming fire. Know that. There is an unquenchable fire. He has made us a temple that his spirit can dwell in. And he is a fire. The, the scripture, just as Marcus was talking, it says this. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? It says God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. The, the ability to house the fire of God comes from a position of humility and abiding. In uh, Isaiah 66, it says, He esteems the one who is humble, contrite in spirit, and trembles at the word of the Lord. So Lord, this morning, one of the words that the Lord has given us is to prepare the hearts, prepare the wineskins, and to prepare worshipers. There is a move of the Spirit. There is something that the Lord wants to do. He wants to do it in this place, across Colorado, across this nation. And I believe out of His mercy, His grace, that there's actually like a holding back, a waiting to go prepare, prepare, prepare. So Lord, I just ask that we would be prepared in this season. Lord, prepare us. Lord, let us be those that are being refined and not burned. As, as the fire is good in the fireplace and it can warm and it can strengthen and it can comfort, that same fire outside the fireplace can destroy, can burn. Lord, I pray that we would be ready to house the fire of God. When you pour out your spirit, Lord, that we, our hearts would be prepared and in a place. We don't wait until you pour out your spirit to go, now we're going to get things right. But Lord, that we, we do it now. That there's a whole heart of devotion to you in this time. So Lord, we just commit. I just, I just commit in my life, and Lord, I ask for the lives of others, Lord, that we would just say yes to you. Lord, that we would just surrender it all to you now, that we would walk humbly before you. Lord, that there would be no arrogance in our lives, that there would be no complacency, that no contentment with the way things are today. I was reading a, a quote the other day that says, the reason why we don't see revival is because we're willing to, we're comfortable with where we are. That's not exactly how it's stated, but Raven Hill says, it's the complacency. It's a complacent heart. It's a lack of positioning for what the Lord actually desires to do. It's the place of hunger and thirst that draws the fire of God, the presence of just as in Second Chronicles, there's a, there's a setting ourselves apart unto the Lord. There's a consecrating the temple. We're the temple. Positioning ourselves for the fire of God to come, for the glory of God to come into this place. And when I say this place, I mean us. Not a building. He's not so concerned about a building. He's concerned about us, hearts, temples, sacred, set apart, positioned for the fire of God to come, not to consume us, but to dwell within us. So Lord, we don't know the 
how you're going to move or what you're going to do, but we know you move in the suddenlies. You know, we know when you do come, it's not. There's the, the preparation, and Jesus said, go wait, Terry, in Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high, until the Holy Spirit comes like a fire and burns within you. There are moments throughout history where we have seen God move in power, move with fire. And it can be a good thing, and it can be a bad thing. That same fire that fell actually destroyed Ananias and Sapphira. Their hearts were not in a position. There was not a humility, but there was an arrogance. Lord, may we not be arrogant in this season. May we not walk in apathy. But Lord, may we walk humbly. So Lord, we just say burn within us. For each one of us, just just set this in your heart today, just to say, Lord, would you refine me? Prepare me. Prepare the way in the Lord. Lord, would you prepare us right now that that Romans 12, that we would be a living sacrifice. There is an altar that we, we come to that burns with fire. But in the position of, of being refined by that fire, we become a living sacrifice. <laughs> I don't want to be a burned up sacrifice. I don't, want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be burned by the fire. I want the fire, though, to burn within me. So, Lord, let it burn within us that we would be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, that that would be our spiritual act of worship to the Lord. Hebrews 12 talks about that same, it says this, worship him in and with awe because our God is a consuming fire. It's an acceptable form of worship to the Lord when it's that, that fear of the Lord that we come before him with holiness, in holiness. There's a grace that he has for us to walk in holiness, that we can come in repentance, and he convicts us, he turns things, he he changes our heart and positions us for the fire of God to to, as he breathes in us, that that fire comes alive in us. Jesus operated in the fire with the fire of God. Lord, burn a fire in us. Let it burn. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the preparation. There's just one final scripture I just feel. I'm just going to read this. It's Isaiah 43, the beginning of it. Let this just be a prayer. we just leave from here this is there's a I'll just get to it first it says but now this is what the Lord says he who created you O Jacob he who formed you O Israel fear not for I have redeemed you and I have summoned you by name you're mine so Lord I thank you for that that we are summoned by you and we are yours. And then he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the river, the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So Jesus We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. That as we run to you, you change our hearts. You refine us. 
And that when, when there is the fire, like the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego fire, when, there, when those fires come that we go through, Lord, I thank you, you stand with us. And it says that not a hair was, was burned. They did not even smell of smoke. Huh. May we not be burned by the fire. But may that fire be the very thing that elevates us as we humble ourselves to glorify you, that you would receive all the glory. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they walked out of that fire and stepped into a new place of authority because of their humility, trusting in the Lord. Lord, we trust in you. We cannot always see what you're doing. We don't always know what the next step is or where we're going. But we trust you. No matter what, thank you that we will not get burned by the fire. Lord, we bless your name today, and we thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for the preparation that we're in. Continue to prepare us. Prepare our hearts. Prepare the wineskins. Prepare us as worshipers, that we would be those that worship you with an acceptable form of worship, holy and pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name.